friends. Welcome to the Kids Ministry Circle podcast. Kids Ministry Circle is a community for kids ministry leaders to be encouraged and equipped to love and serve the local church. I'm your host, Lauren Jackson, and we are right in the middle of our Volunteer Summer Series. It's our summer series about everything volunteers. I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to the last two episodes, and I know today will definitely be a favorite. Our guest today is a friend of mine, but also a pastor. He is the pastor at Storyline Church, which is where my family attends and serves and loves to be a part of. And so I asked JT to come on and talk to us about what it looks like to disciple our volunteers to know and love God more so they can turn around and continue to teach kids about who Jesus is. But before we jump into the conversation with JT, I want to let you know that we have a ton of content over on our Instagram and Facebook pages. And if you are not following us over at Kids Ministry Circle on Instagram and Facebook, you are missing out. We recently posted a blog about student volunteers. I know we all love our student volunteers, but if you don't know how to lead them well and to equip them and train them and onboard them, you are missing a huge step to investing in the next generation of leaders. So head over to Instagram and Facebook and follow us at Kids Ministry Circle. Now on to my conversation with JT English. JT, welcome to the podcast. I'm pumped to be here. Thanks so much for having me on, Warren. Great. Well, to kick off our episode, uh, we're going to be talking about just what it looks like to disciple our volunteers in kids ministry and not only train them on policies and procedures, but train them theologically. And we want our volunteers to know and love God more. And as kids ministry leaders, we can help them do that. And so why don't you start the conversation by introducing yourself? Tell us about how you got started in ministry and where you are currently serving. Yeah, you bet. First of all, like I said, just so grateful to be here. And I want to just kick off by saying, if you're listening to this podcast, you are one of my heroes. What you do for kids ministry and disciple the next generation is not the church of tomorrow, but the church of today. Just so grateful. I think about all the leaders at, at, at the church that I get to serve at alongside Lauren and Luke. Just you guys are absolute heroes in helping us raise up the next generation to know and love and follow Jesus. So I'm so thankful for you guys and the effort that you guys put forward to do that. Um, like I said, my name is JT. I have the honor of serving at Storyline Church as the lead pastor there. I've been here just over three years, came right kind of when COVID was hitting and it's been a wild up and down, topsy-turvy time, and we just would testify to God's goodness and kindness to us. It's just building a healthy, happy church that loves Jesus and uh, spirit-filled and opening scripture regularly together. So we're, we're really thankful for our church. Uh, but that wasn't always the case. I, I really never thought I was going to be a pastor. I grew up about 10 miles south of where I currently pastor and grew up in a wonderful family, but a family that didn't really have a clear understanding and grasp of the gospel, a family that loved me and cared for me, but I wasn't going to church. I didn't understand the Bible, didn't know how to read the Bible. So when I showed up at Colorado State University my freshman year, I just realized, man, I, I, I my roommate invited me to a Bible study and the book they were opening to, I, I didn't know how to find. And eventually a few weeks later, a guy shares the gospel with me and I become a Christian, And but I like know nothing. Like I'm baby, baby, baby Christian. And I get involved with Campus Crusade and kind of get discipled and then realize, man, I, I need to know my Bible better. So after a few stops in, in a few different seminaries, I ended up being a pastor at the Village Church uh, in Dallas where I was over discipleship. And I would say that's probably the first place where I realized the absolute necessity and, and, and the essential nature of partnering all discipleship ministries across the church to make sure that we're all kind of focusing and pointing towards towards one direction. So that's part of what we're trying to do here at Storyline too, is make making sure that whether you're 
you're in the two-year-old room or whether you are serving in our legacy ministry that we're using similar language because we're, we're trying to point everybody in the same way to the same person and his name is Jesus. That's awesome. I love that. I've heard that story a lot of times about uh, quite, how quite you came to know Jesus. Yeah, quite a few. I was like, Lord's going to get bored of this. I'm just going to go fast. <laughs> I know. I feel like I could probably say it for you if I right. really tried. Uh, but I love that story because the simplicity of your friend sharing the gospel is so much of what happens in kids ministry, right? We right. just lay the gospel down in front of kids and it's God's job and out of his goodness and kindness he reveals himself to kids and adults. And and so I just love that story because it reminds me of how us as leaders and those who are teaching kids, just the perseverance of like, they may hear it a hundred times, but you may be that hundred and one time that you shared the gospel and it clicks for them. And I just, it's a sweet encouragement. But so the whole and reason why I wanted you to jump on the podcast is not only because you're my pastor and friend, um, but also you have a new book coming out, which we'll talk about at the end. But I think your new book with your friend and co-author Jen Wilkin um, is going to be such a great resource. And kind of over the last couple of weeks, I've chatted with a handful of ministry leaders and I've asked the question, can your volunteers or how do you know if your volunteers can articulate the story of the gospel? And a lot of kids ministry leaders don't know. They don't know where their volunteers are at theologically and if they can communicate the story of the gospel to kids. And I think it's important for kids ministry leaders to weave this into the onboarding process of asking the question, hey, can you share the gospel? It, like, how can we make sure that our volunteers can engage in these in these conversations and questions that kids are asking? So I would love to kind of hear from you and your perspective. There's this balance in kids ministry where policies and procedures are so important. You right. want that to be the foundation because without safety, you have no ministry. That's and right. so those are important. But we also want our volunteers to grow theologically and to grow to know and love God more. So for kids ministry leaders specifically, why is studying theology important? Like just lay the foundation for us. Why should we, why is it important and why should we be encouraging our teams to do so? Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing is every single person, whether they're a Christian or not, is a theologian. It's just a matter of, are we doing theology well? Are we doing it poorly? Laying that aside, though, when I think about the life of a local church, whether it's Storyline Church or the church that your listeners are serving at and participating in, if you were to, I, I feel like I'm going to get pinned down, maybe somebody get going to get mad at me for saying this, but if you could say, JT, if you had to have one group of leaders in your whole church who are well-equipped in the story of the Bible, the basics of the faith, and basic spiritual disciplines, and you've got all these leaders in the church, you've got group leaders, hospitality, coffee, parking, kids, students, and you said you had to pick one, I would pick kids leaders every single time because they are the ones who every single week have an opportunity, whether they're serving in a ministry of 20 kids or 400 kids, to clearly lay out the gospel. And I love what you just said about sometimes it's perseverance of you got to share it 100 times and it's the 101st time. But also I think a lot of our kids ministry leaders maybe have a fear of, man, I don't know that I'll get it just right and I don't want to mess this kid up. I don't want to confuse them. But even going back to my story, the kid that shared the gospel with me, who's a sophomore in college, just pulled out the four spiritual laws and read it to me, Lauren. Like he didn't even like make eye contact and God saved me. 
Like God, just in his mercy, saved me. And so we just want to make sure that our kids' leaders, we're never calling them to share the gospel perfectly. We're calling them to share it faithfully. There's no such thing as a perfect gospel presentation, and that's good news because it means our presentations don't save people. God saves people. And that as we just faithfully talk about uh, being made in God's image, falling away from him, the work of Jesus in our life, the gift of the Spirit, joining churches— Man, kids' eyes, in other words, we're not trying to rationalize them into the faith. We're not trying to intellectualize them or make it the perfect curriculum. Although those things are important, we're trying to say we know that God's Holy Spirit needs to make a dead heart alive. Whether that dead heart is is 21 years old, like it was for me, or whether that dead heart is 4 or 5 years old, like it is in many of the conversations we're talking about here. Yeah, that's so great. I love I love that. And so I think my follow-up question for that is when we talk about training the volunteers and discipling the the teams, oftentimes this responsibility gets placed solely on the kids ministry leader. Right. Where if you want to talk about discipleship, it's a whole church problem. And so kind of talk to us about for those kids ministry leaders listening, it's not just your responsibility. And I would love to hear kind of maybe from your experience or your encouragement of like, how do you link arms in a church environment in the local church to where you can be discipling volunteers? Because a lot of ministry staff don't have enough hours in the week to be discipling every volunteer. And so what would be your encouragement for the kids ministry leader who maybe sees the value in discipling and training volunteers in this way, but also feels like there's they're not even going to get started because they're not even going to be able to do it. Totally. I totally get it. I think one of the first things, and you already hit on this, is one of the things that we can experience in church life is a siloing out of different discipleship responsibilities. And so the lead pastor is responsible for preaching, and the group guy is responsible for groups, and the kids are responsible for kids, and the students are responsible for students. And it's okay. There does need to be some specialization there. But I would say if you're a kids ministry leader and your lead pastor isn't listening to this podcast, I hope you send this to him or at least this clip to him. Lead pastors, you have got to be, you, you, you cannot abdicate or, or, or in, in any way kind of remove the responsibility of the discipleship from the next generation to other people. You have to care about it as much as your kids director does. You have to care about it as much as your those coordinators and leaders do because you're responsible for those young kiddos also. And so one of the things that you can do in your preaching uh, so this is one something I'm working on, Lauren, and I've not even shared this with you yet, or storyline, but I'm gonna, I'll share it here. Is you know, so the book that I have coming out, I was like, man, we got ten chapters, and they're all on the basics of theology. And two days ago, on Monday, I was just walking through storyline kids and just praying, just by myself, and I realized, wait a second, we have ten foundational truths. I wonder how how closely these line up, and they all line up almost wow. almost perfectly. So our whole fall series isn't going to be on the book. It's going to be on our 10 foundational truths of storyline. So that one of the ways that I get to to lead our church is the leaders that are going to come to the nine o'clock, but serve in the 1030 are going to hear me use very clear language about our scope and sequence of answering basic questions. What is God like? Well, our foundational truth for our kids is God is good. And they hear me say it. They're going to hear group leaders say it. They get to say it. Or another question would be is, uh, what has God done for us? Well, one of those answers is the Holy Spirit is, is sent to be our helper as one of our foundational truths. Mm-hmm. Or to whom do we belong? The local church is our family. So I would say one of the one of the best ways we can do it is that is from the pulpit, be using the exact same language that kids ministry leaders are going to be using when they go serve with kids. Like the exact same language because they hear you say it, they know that their home group's going to say it, they're going to say it, and their kids are going to learn it. So 
I would just encourage churches, get really clear on the language that you want to use top to bottom in every single ministry environment. So you're using it for students, you're using it for groups, you're using it in, in the institute. So the first thing I would say is use the pulpit as an opportunity to, to disciple and equip your student leaders. Like you need to know that they're in there and that in 30 minutes, they're going to be going to go serve for four-year-olds and fifth graders and sixth graders. And that is a training opportunity, right? That, that sermon is a training opportunity for them to go do what they're about to go do. That's number one. Number two, I would say have really robust and, and helpful discipleship spaces in the life of your church, whether that's like a men's Bible study or a women's Bible study, or we have an instituted storyline. I'm going to probably overstate the case here a little bit, um, but I've not seen groups be probably the best. I love groups. I, I mean, I, I love home groups. We have home groups. So this is not uh, in any way, uh, I've got no frustration towards them. But if we think that groups are doing the work of equipping these leaders uh, in their task, we probably are over-promising and under-delivering for groups. It's just not what groups are designed to do. Groups are designed to do something different. And so one of the quotes that Jen and I use when we talk about this is, if all you have is a hammer, everything's a nail. And if all you have is home groups, you're probably not, like you're, you're going to hit a nail, but you're also going to hit a screw and it doesn't work. And so if you think your leaders are being equipped in home groups, to go lead students, it's probably probably not right. So you should think about creating some other spaces where you would say, okay, well, what are the essentials of discipleship that we want a five-year-old to begin learning and a 95-year-old to be perfecting? And we would maybe say things like, well, we want every single disciple to have a basic grasp on the story of the Bible. We want every single believer in our church to have a basic grasp on, like I just mentioned, 10 foundational truths or a basic grasp on spiritual disciplines. If you are not explicitly and intentionally training your people in them, they're not going to be trained in it. It doesn't just happen by osmosis. Yeah. Just because you have it doesn't mean they're going to have it. So create spaces where you would just say, hey, we're going to do six weeks on the story of the Bible so that you have it, so that you can go explain it to your to your sixth, sixth graders, or your fourth graders, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I think some practical ways that I feel like I've been able to do this kind of throughout the years is leveraging that women's and men's Bible study and leveraging those spaces to where you can invite your volunteers and say, Hey, I'm going to participate in the women's Bible study. Why don't we sit at a table together? And exactly. why don't we do this together as a volunteer team or leveraging? Like we talked a couple weeks ago about leveraging the summer season as like doing a book study or diving into a Bible study with your volunteers and just creating spaces, whether that's with whoever's over discipleship or groups, or maybe that is solo. Maybe that is you kind of initiating something on your own. And so I do think it's great to create those spaces and kind of ask the question, what what is happening for discipleship in our church? And kind of opening the door and allowing that to be some dialogue within the staff. Um, so I love that. We're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about the kids ministry leader, because from my experience, the kids ministry leaders are often the most um, under resourced, but also under educated. And I, that sounds really negative, but it is true in terms of seminary and in terms of biblical training, as far as um, education goes. Most kids ministry leaders randomly find themselves in a preschool classroom and then a few years down, a few years down the road, they're now director or they're right. now 
associate or whatever their role is. And they're like, I wasn't trained in this. I didn't go to seminary. Uh, most kids ministry leaders are bivocational and don't have the finances to go to seminary. And so this idea of feeling under equipped, um, I know for me personally, like my, I was, a, I have been a part of two churches, Storyline being one of them that has a development program, institute program where it, you spend a year learning about who God is and studying the scripture. And that drastically changed the way I taught on a Sunday morning. And, and so I would love for you to kind of speak to, for those ministry leaders listening who are like, I don't have a seminary degree. I don't really know why I'm in this role in general. What would be your encouragement to start learning? Oh man, that's, that feels like a broad question, but again, it's such an important question. I think the first thing I would encourage a kids ministry leader to to uh, to consider is is consider themselves valuable enough and worth it enough to ask for professional development. Uh, like mm-hmm. you, you should, whether it's going to your pastor or going to your direct report and saying, "Hey, I would like maybe professional development dollars to go to this conference or go to this course or audit this." Is is you need to first and foremost see yourself as an absolutely essential part of what God is doing at your church. And you receiving equipping and ongoing development is really important to the ongoing life of the church. If we were just talking about the basic Bible literacy crisis, I won't go into all the stats now, but we are we are living through a Bible and theological literacy crisis. And if you again, if you could ask me, JT, where's the one place we should start to kind of fix it? I would say with kids, because kids are 10 years away from being <clears throat> members of churches or, or leaders of churches. And so the Bible literacy crisis could be solved by beginning to train leaders in kids' ministry by basic Bible literacy, you can then train the next generation in it. So ask for professional development. I'd also say that one of the things that, that we just have a, a glut of resources right now, uh, just available online, whether it's good podcasts, uh, things like the Bible Project, um, there's just so many good good resources available to you that are free. Maybe you, don't, maybe you are at a church where professional development dollars aren't an option for you, you're serving bivocationally, I would just recommend look up some really good resources. The one that I would most highly recommend probably is the Bible Project. It is such a great resource where I would say, man, I've, I've learned as much from just watching podcasts and or watching their videos and listening to their podcasts that it's, it's just a, as I did in seminary. It's just so easy. Um, I'd also say do it in, in the context of community. Maybe there's a maybe you have a colleague or a staff member that you could kind of rope in. Maybe there's a discipleship pastor that you would say, man, he has a seminary degree. I wonder if we could read a book together. I wonder if like you just think about all the resources that might be available to you and have no shame. Just ambitiously say, I'd like to learn and develop. Can you help me? Yeah. I think that's so important of walking in. I feel like this is walking in humility, right? And saying, I'm not the smartest in the room when it comes to theology and doctrines and all of these things that are foundations of the faith but I want to learn and I want to know and I want to grow in this area and admitting that to somebody, either it's a boss or the lead pastor or someone on your staff team and saying, Hey, I don't feel like I could, I know as much as I could know or should know and saying that that's okay. It's okay to be in a place where you've got like your hands wide open and say, okay, I'm, I'm real willing and ready to learn more about who God is and how God created me. And so I think that's a really sweet season to be in. Like looking back at my own ministry career, I had that conversation at one point of saying, Hey, I didn't go to seminary. I want to learn more. I want to know more about the Bible and 
who God is. And that really kind of catapulted my ministry career of just listening to podcasts, reading books, and really paying attention to my own like Bible reading time and all those things. So I think that's a great place to start is just to engage in the conversation. And I think in doing that, Lauren, I, I love the way you phrase that is when you kind of embody desiring to be a lifelong learner and your students or your kids kind of see that, or at least see that, mm-hmm. that that's what we want in them. We want them to be lifelong learners. So why wouldn't we also want to be lifelong learners? So saying every now and then, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm going to go find it. Or I'm not sure I know this, but I'm going to go find out for you. That shows our kids that we're still learning too, which is exactly what we want from them. Yeah. I say that quite a lot in Storyline Kids. You get the weirdest, you get the weirdest questions from kids. <laughs> You're like, I, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, I'd rather t- teach a PhD seminar than I would than I would go back in Storyline Kids because there's so many smart kids back there. They're just, they're they just are awesome. smart. Yes, they are. Okay, so kind of as we continue to talk about ministry leaders and volunteers, um, I love kind of this conversation of it's not. What am I trying to say? It's okay to feel unqualified. It's okay to feel like you shouldn't be the one teaching. I mean, oftentimes there are stories that I get up to teach in grade school at Storyline and I'm like, man, I don't even have like a grasp on what this story is, but I'm teaching it anyways. And so for those who feel unqualified to teach the kids about the gospel and the Bible, maybe they have, maybe they haven't been a Christian for very long. Maybe they're jumping in serving for the first time, or they just became a Christian and they're like, I just want to tell everybody about the gospel. And they're jumping into a classroom and they feel intimidated. Talk about this feeling of being intimidated when it comes to studying the Bible. I feel like sometimes people are afraid of getting it wrong, so they don't try it all. And so talk to us about this idea of being intimidated, being intimidated about this conversation and how we can work to overcome that feeling. Yeah. Oh, again, another really good question. I think, uh, you know, the word intimidated, uh, like in some sense, we want some intimidation when we get up and open God's word. Like I'm going to be teaching on second Timothy four this week and, and preaching the word importance of preaching and centering our lives. Like I already kind of feel that, Whoa, man, I'm standing up before a lot of people and opening God's word. And there's a healthy, uh, intimidation might not be the right word. There's a healthy weightiness to it that I think anybody who opens God's word, we, we always want to feel and, and realize what we're doing isn't just natural. There's a supernatural thing that we're asking God to do as we open God's word. So I would hope that whether you're te- preaching and teaching like I'll be doing on Sunday or you're going to be leading uh, kids uh, in, in, in maybe a devotional or some kind of story, we want to feel that we need because we want to feel desperate that God would do it. But what we don't want to do is feel intimidated because of our inadequacies. I remember when I this is kind of a parallel, it's not kids ministry, but for me, when I started the discipleship program at the Village Church Institute, I was so intimidated, Lauren. I, it's like, and I had a THM from Dallas Seminary and a PhD from Southern, and I got up that first day and I was like shaking. And I, I was the most qualified in the room. I was the most educated in the room, but I was like, are they going to like me? Uh, is this, is this going to make sense to them? I'm not literally, this is, I'm not exaggerating. I was like, are they going to come back next week? Like these are adults who have cars. They're not kids who are being dropped off. And I was like, there's a hundred people here. And are we going to have 10 next? Is it going to be so bad? Um, and I just kind of kept faithfully showing up. I eventually became better at teaching and the content got better. And they were so gracious to me and kind. And one of the things that I learned that I, that I want to encourage uh, kids, kids, leaders, kids, teachers in is one of the best ways to learn is to teach. 
Like you don't have to know everything to get up there and start teaching. But when you t are forced to teach something that maybe you don't know everything, your mind begins to grasp things that it wouldn't have beforehand. There's studies that say like if you hear something, uh, you'll remember like you know five or ten percent of it a week from now. If you hear it and write it down, you remember about twenty percent. But if you hear it, write it down, and then most importantly, say it to somebody else, like if you're teaching somebody else what God's teaching you, it finds its way into your soul in a way that no learning platform is going to help you. So I would just say, if you're feeling intimidated in teaching, great, you need to be teaching because God's going to teach you about himself and about the story of the Bible as you learn to teach it yourself. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that so much. And that's so encouraging of just for kids ministry leaders and volunteers and just ministry leaders in general of you may feel intimidated, but you just do it. Yeah, you you do just it. do it anyways. Mm -hmm. That's right. And you'll continue to grow and learn alongside the kids. I think that's my favorite thing to watch is volunteers who are either newer to the faith or haven't really spent a lot of time knowing and learning when they learn right alongside kids. I think that's really sweet. And even I think, I think this was a couple baptisms ago there was a woman who her story was her son told her about the gospel yep. and like there she was getting baptized. And I remember watching it and I was just like, there were like so <laughs> many tears coming down my face and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is like the best story ever. But that's true. Like, I think that's the joy of being a part of the family of God is you could be an eight year old or you could be a 38 year old and you could be learning. And I think this is why training volunteers theologically and not just so they have all the right answers, but the, so they're continuing to learn about who God is so that they can continue to walk with kids as they learn. And so I think that is so important. Um, okay. Before we ask our last question that we typically ask, I want you to talk about your new book. We've like hinted at it a couple times, but I really want you to kind of share the heart behind it and maybe what you hope that once the book gets into the hands of readers, what do you hope for? Yeah, thanks. Uh, you're kind of even asked. You don't have to do that, but I'm grateful for the chance to talk about it. If it hasn't come across already, I'm passionate about theology and just the basic idea that everybody is a theologian. So my, one of my best friends, Jen Wilkin, and I had the chance to write a book together primarily because our kind of training experiences always felt like theology was inaccessible to us. Like I remember, so she never, she doesn't have any formal education. She was trained by listening to R.C. Sproul cassette tapes by just kind of, you know, on repeat. That's her, that's her training. She learned to read the Bible. She learned the basics of theology by just driving the kids to school, popping in a cassette tape and learning and taking notes at stoplights. And uh, I came to faith and my, one of the first books that somebody gave me, the title of it was Introduction to Systematic Theology. Most introductions to topics should be like, I don't know, 100 or 200 pages. Well, this book was 400 pages. And for somebody who doesn't like reading and like had more footnotes than books I've ever read. And so I was just like, this isn't an introduction. I don't, I'm not going to read this. Does this mean I don't get to learn theology? Do I have to be like, a seminary professor to learn theology? And, and, and that's still the case for a lot of people. That, that in, it feels like the introduction to the basics of the faith can feel inaccessible. I have to have all these prerequisites to even begin. And we just wanted to try to remove some of those barriers. So we wrote the book, it's called You Are a Theologian. It comes out a month from when we're recording this, July 18th. Uh, and it's just basic, we wrote it at, we tried to write it at an eighth grade reading level. There's not, a, there's no footnotes. It's just kind of a basic, basic book that answers some really simple questions like, who is God? What is God like? Who are we? What went wrong in the world? 
what is God doing to make things right? So I could see this being read by groups. I could see it being used in like adult education environments, but I could see this being used in middle school, high school groups. I could see it being used for Mm -hmm. specifically what we've been talking about, for the training of leaders. Again, just answering the basics. We try to not go into too many like wheat of the weeds of like kind of the details of theology, but just trying to keep the main thing, the main thing. And again, the basic premise of the book is, is in the title. You are a theologian, whether you're a kids ministry leader, a pastor, a mom or a dad, is is we are we all have thoughts about God and beliefs about God and, and our job as Christians is to make sure that those thoughts as being theologians are aligned with how God has revealed himself to us in scripture. That's awesome. I know I can't wait to read it. And we'll link all of that in the show notes of this episode so that people can find it and buy it and use it for their ministry and their leaders and their teams. And so I'm, ex- I'm super excited. I think this is going to be really impactful for um, churches and just theologians everywhere. Um, okay. So the last question we always ask, and it tweaked it a little bit, because normally the question is if you were talking to someone who was brand new in kids ministry, but we're going to do ministry as a whole since You've never been a kids ministry director, uh, but you do have kids. So you are in kids ministry a little bit. But if you were talking to someone brand new in ministry, what would be your words of encouragement or advice? Jesus is way better than ministry. Do not sacrifice your relationship with the Lord for a job at a church. Uh, being with Jesus is far better than working working for him. And so prioritize that as best you can. It can be really hard to kind of all of a sudden things get blended and it might spend time with Jesus when I'm doing sermon prep, when I'm thinking about somebody else and it can just be really hard or like I'm writing this curriculum. Is this, be, is this nourishing my heart or is it, am I doing this for somebody else? And so I would just say prioritize that. And, and in doing that, it allows the highs of ministry to never be too high and the lows of ministry to never be too low because the state, the stability you have is fellowshipping with Jesus, not fellowshipping with your, with uh, how good you're doing at your job and how good the weekend was or how bad it was just, it allows for a stability because he is the rock. He is the one who is immovable. And as we place our feet upon him, the highs of ministry aren't high, the lows of ministry aren't low because we have him through all of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you, JT, so much for being on the podcast. I'm going to make sure that we link like all the places to find you. Uh, and so if people want to continue to follow in what you're doing and hear more about your book, I'm also going to link to your podcast because we didn't even talk about that, but you and Jen Wilkin and Kyle Worley have a podcast that is my go-to for learning about more about theology and who God is and all of those things. So we'll link those in your first book. We didn't even, there's so much we didn't even talk about. There's so much that people can go to. Thanks. No, it's totally fine. I I, I, I just love doing this stuff. That stuff. I, I do that yeah. stuff so that I can just hopefully help equip the church. And if any of those things are helpful, man, what, a, what an honor it is to be helpful to the church. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we're grateful for you. And thanks again for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Lauren. Friends, I'm so grateful that JT was able to join us on the podcast today. I thought his words of encouragement were so sweet. And I think this episode is definitely one that you can slide over to your boss or to your lead pastor to help you continue to disciple the adults who serve in your church, not only in kids ministry, but in every area of your church. We want to continue to be disciples who disciple others who then disciple others. 
As always, if you love this episode, we would love for you to rate and review our podcast over on Apple Podcasts. And if you want to continue the conversation, you can head over to Instagram and Facebook at Kids Ministry Circle, where we continue to talk more about kids ministry and all the things that we are experiencing with leading volunteers and teaching kids about Jesus. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.